If you're an entrepreneur, then the work you do is sacred. And this podcast is here to help you create more money, more freedom, and more impact as you do it. Welcome to Sacred Work, the go-to podcast for women in business ready to learn about sacred selling, sales funnels, and online business strategy. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and let's dive into a brand new episode. Hello and welcome back to Sacred Work. I'm your host, Taylor Ray, and today I'm sitting down with the incredible Melissa Peepers, a futurist business designer and the founder of Bonbo. Melissa believes that reimagining the status quo is the best way to shape the future of our world. She has cultivated an incredible career in design and strategy for the advertising industry, working on global brand accounts at Ogilvy, Wellcom, and then in her own design business. She pursued what she believed to be the fundamental concepts of transformation, which she then developed into a methodology for designing businesses that disrupt at scale. She teaches this through Turning Points, a digital vision quest that helps brands come to life through her unique business design process. This conversation is nothing short of transformative. Whether you are just getting started, are at a turning point in your own career, or are expanding and scaling as a visionary within your own business, this episode has magic at every turn, and I cannot wait for you to listen. As you do, make sure to tag us on Instagram with your biggest takeaways. You can find Melissa at BonboAU, and you can find myself at This Is Tayray. Okay, let's dive in. Welcome, Melissa. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. Like, And so we met at an in-person like co-working day that was run through One Roof Women. I feel like that's a tongue twister. And that was (laughs) such a beautiful day. And we just connected straight away and had like a million things that we wanted to talk about. And I feel like, I don't know, our souls just were like, oh my God, we've known each other from like a different lifetime or something. Like there was just so many things that just were so aligned in our conversations. And straight away, I was like, you have to come on the podcast. So I've so been looking forward to this conversation and I'm so glad that you're here. Me too. And I felt exactly the same. It was just like I could see all this explosion of tangents and like related areas of like interest pursuing at the same time. I would love for you to introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about what you do. I know you are a futurist business designer, which is probably the coolest title I've ever heard. Can you explain what your business is and what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So The futurist and the business designer aspect are quite connected. So I'll explain what a business designer is first because it's a fairly emergent industry and before me, essentially, it wasn't really available for cheaper than six figures. So ultimately, business as we know it now is actually a very new way of running business and it kind of kicked off in the late 1800s, early 1900s, as opposed to time immemorial that there have been merchants of some sort of kind. And at that sort of time, you would discover a business in in, your travels and you would usually bring it back to your area and you would be one of the first. So you might be the first making a certain type of soap or doing a certain type of service in your area and you would have learned it from someone else. And so at that time, you had all these advantages. You were the only one doing what you were doing. You knew your audience, you knew how to run this new kind of, or new to you or your area kind of business. And there was a sort of a templated way to brand and communicate that was quite simple at that time. And so they were all the benefits that would come from it. But what happened over time is that this idea of the proven model of business got equated with always giving those results as opposed to a thriving business as having those sorts of factors. And now 
what we're seeing and why business design is really emerging is that no one really teaches you how to create a business. And if you have a business that's in a saturated industry and more than nine in 10 new businesses are, or existing businesses that haven't hit scale sort of within their first five years, what happens is you, and you're finding this if you're listening, year on year, it's getting harder and harder to cut through because you're one of thousands and thousands more enter that space each year. So it's getting harder and harder in terms of both effort and money to just stand out. The way you're standing out is usually using the same strategies as the businesses you're trying to stand out from and how they're trying to stand out. So it's this like treadmill feeling. And then also customers, when they have lots of alternatives, they become really, really price sensitive in the area. So they start going after the cheapest because there's just so many alternatives and they also kind of get overwhelmed and might even stop buying as well, just from a sort of an overwhelmed point of view. So that's, you can see that the proven model there isn't really viable. Mm, Super fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Like it's just, that just sounds like a chore. Yeah. What a joy. And if you've got a certain type of scale, yeah, exactly. And most new businesses or businesses that haven't hit scale that are, you know, out there listening to these kinds of talks and they're trying to like, how do I integrate my lifestyle and all these other things? There isn't really much out there to explain how to do that from the actual business concept point of view. So in business design and why this is becoming such a fastly growing industry is that essentially, and how I look at it as a futurist, is I see everyone out there as having billions of different opinions and perspectives on everything. And I think we really need a new world right now. And the only real way we've ever seen a world change fast or in a big way has been war, has been waiting for a government to enact a favourable policy, waiting for a silver bullet scientific solution that solves a problem, or a business who by offering something that didn't exist before that replaces the way it's done at scale changes behavior. Mm. And I am obsessed with that idea. I think right now, and I see this heaps in my work, there is two big divides that led me to do what I do the way I do it. But essentially the first divide is between what the business owner really or the person really wants to do in their life this applies to career, applies to just living as well, what you really want to do in your life and what your life, say it's business, what your business actually allows you to do. And then the other divide is what the world needs businesses to be and what they actually are. And I see the role of business as essentially to bridge those two gaps so that what you're doing is what your soul really wants to be doing in this world. And there's a lot of things. It's not just one thing. And also for those things to be sort of the intersection between what you're really, really wanting to do and what the world's really, really needing. And so business becomes what I see is like a time traveling sort of role. It creates a new future by replacing a norm. So that's where the futurist is kind of the philosophy and business design is my process or my tools for achieving that. Business design is around what's your actual concept? How do you run your business? What's your point of difference, competitive advantage? Who is your target customer defining that? Those deep sort of insights and the brand from the business side of the strategy. You also need brand strategy from the brand side, but actually building what is, how do we reach people and show that we're doing all of this amazing stuff so that they can help us change the world or recognize the impact that we can bring them as well. This is why I'm so happy you're on the podcast. (laughs) I swear to God, I could listen to you talk forever. Like I'm just obsessed. Like I just love the way you describe things and there's clearly so much knowledge behind what you do and the detail and depth that you go to with things. But I also feel so captivated. It's like alchemy. Like I feel like I'm just watching magic and like listening to magic when you speak. So thank you for sharing that. Like honestly, like I'm just like, (laughs) oh, that's so exciting. So 
with this, like with the bridging of the gap, right? So what you said there with like mm. the the lifestyle and what you want out of your life versus like obviously what is needed, those two different things. I feel like so many of us struggle with that. I 100% have struggled with that through my journey. How do you help people with that? Like how do you help them to bridge that gap? What does that process look like? Yeah. So originally I was working in high-level like advertising design lead and strategist in that world. And that's where I was also running my own business that I previously ran full-time. I went full-time in my own world after uni, which was a strange choice, (laughs) and then went into advertising after that. But those two gaps became really glaring. So the person, the inner alignment and then the outer alignment. And essentially, I originally just started trying to solve the problem. And it was looking back, I was like, you know, it seems like a a clear thread, but at the time it was really unclear. I had one problem and another problem, another problem, another problem. And ultimately I had researched skills across four different areas that solved these four questions that I had. So the first question was around where does this spark come from of excitement and delight and joy in a business or in an idea of any kind? And most of my answers to how to get there came from design thinking industry or discipline. Then it was around how do I get people to accept more of my ideas? How do I get people to say yes to more of my ideas? And that now that could be like a customer. But back then it was like, how do I get the client to say yes to the idea I have? I know it could be great. And then that taught me a lot about business feasibility. So in particular, competitive strategies, the discipline and just understanding all of the things that a business affects. And this is very much where the business designer in me kind of, I think, started getting born. But essentially in like coaching and consulting, most business services tend to focus on like one or two areas, the area of focus and maybe how that interacts with the business's profitability. So the finance area of the business, the business has so many things that it touches and all of those things I believe should be integrated in the business model. So you have your actual, the marketplace that you're going to be in, you have the person that you're impacting with whatever it is that you're selling, the person that's wanting to trade finance for or whatever it is for the email address for a certain type of experience that you offer. You have the finance angle, which usually is nearly the sole focus. And then you have your personal satisfaction, what actually creates joy and interest and drive and motivation for you. What is the difference between waking up excited? And this can be the entire C-suite of a huge conglomerate, or it can be a solo business owner getting out of bed in the morning. It doesn't matter which way, what makes us excited. And that's that personal alignment and then lifestyle as well. So in business design or in the old way, The non-business design way, there's often you have to choose between satisfaction or profitability, or you have to choose between your business doing really well and burning out. Mm. It's because all of these needs aren't actually catered in the one business model. And usually that's at the very core. So you'll have always a problem in one area because ultimately your business just doesn't support that sort of thing. And I really believe in that. Then I had was looking at the early days of very early days of social media and seeing virality for the first time um, in industry. And so clients were coming to us, we're a major agency, coming to us and saying, hey, how do we go viral? And so I was really interested, what's the difference between these two similar businesses? One goes viral and one doesn't. And ultimately that came back to culture and trends. So in general, trends are a very good barometer of culture. And what's more important than understanding the trend is to understand underneath it, why is a trend a trend? What is it about what's happening in that culture that this is so shareable at this time? And it often is expressing things that we might not 
necessarily want to say to each other, but in, for example, in sharing like an internet meme or in buying a product, a new product from a business or a new offering from a business, we can express ourselves perhaps Mm. more indirectly in a more socially sort of acceptable way. So it's a really business, especially emerging business is a really interesting way to see what might be coming next and how people might be changing internally that we can't sort of see yet. And then the final one was behavioral economics. And this was a huge one for me, the difference between, so it's decision science, um, very much about how we make choices. And most of human behavior is really, really counterintuitive. And we often, we can sense this with our own intuition as well. What we might be driven towards might not make much rational sense. And behavioral economics really explores what is actually happening under the hood of that and that enables us to make better decisions, whether they're aligned with our intuition or aligned with rationality or whatever makes sense for that particular situation. It explains why we can really, really want something and not do anything about it. And so to me, I think there's a lot of opportunity kind of to be unlocked there. But essentially those four things allowed me to create a process or a methodology for designing businesses that bridge these two gaps. And the first sort of step, there's three key steps. The first step is getting that inner alignment, understanding really what you want to do in the world. And there's not just one thing, there's actually heaps. So you get to pick what do I want to do most? And business becomes the vehicle for replacing, or what do you want to see in the world most that doesn't exist? And when you can uncover that, you essentially use business as not how do I sell stuff and make a living? But how do I make that happen or use business to make that future exist in a way that also supports your lifestyle and those other aspects? So it's really impact first. And then the next phase is around building competitive advantage. So when you do something wonderful for the first time, it can be there's some unknown unknowns when you're pioneering and you're out there doing something new, whether you're feeling imposter syndrome or you're feeling really excited by it. Both are still the pioneering situation. And what really helps us there is to build a process and it's unique to everyone, but essentially to build a process that makes you the best at doing that thing. So the best at being you or your kind of impact, as opposed to learning the same skills everyone else is learning, et cetera, et cetera. This tells you how to be more of you over time. And for me, it actually led to studying magic because (laughs) the history of magic, because Mm. the transformation around that was really pivotal. Understanding more about transformation was really pivotal for me to work out how can I help more and more of my audience actually get the transformation and get out sort of in the world. So we have that inner alignment and then this bridge of business. How does this business actually look and how does it meet all of these needs? And competitive advantage just makes it easier. Want to just clarify, competitive advantage doesn't mean what most people think it does, which is that when I win, you lose. When you're the only one doing something, you don't have any competitors and your win is often a win for the world, a win for your audience, a win for you as well. Competitive advantage, what the term actually just means, is that relative to an average business, out there in the world doing whatever, doesn't have to be even anything like you, relative to that situation, you have a business that is easier and more profitable. That's all it means. Mm. That comes from competitive advantage. That's sort of the outcomes of it. And then the final aspect is you're doing this amazing thing. It's really working for you. You're out there wanting to shape the future, stepping into the role of visionary or thought leader. You've got to express that. You've got to express that really, really clearly to your audience. You have to have people out there that understand that that is exactly what you're doing and all of the magic that's going on inside because ultimately without actually changing people's behavior or connecting with people emotionally as well as rationally, your your business basically doesn't exist. Business Mm -hmm. is driven by people. It's ultimately a structure that allows 
allows us to connect with people and in return impact people. So that connection and that persuasiveness really has to exist as well. And at that point, that's when you bridge the gap. You're out there with a new business concept. So I do all of that in this three-month process. Mm. And essentially at that point, you're out there impacting people in the world. You've got everything you need. You know what you're doing. You're becoming more and more you and better at being you and your kind of impact year on year. And then the world starts recognizing the unique impact that you have. And at that point, things get a lot easier because suddenly the world out there is helping what you're doing internally. And I actually started researching. So these two moments, these two gaps that I fill in my process, I started researching when people had done that in their lives and they, in like in memoirs and things, when they'd either bridge the gap between the personal alignment and what they're actually doing in the world or the gap between what the world needs them to be and what they're doing, either of them or both. And they called it their turning point which is how I was kind of seeing it. So I called my program Turning Points because there's two of them inbuilt into the process. And like, how wild is that? Like, I'm obsessed. And and from now on, like, if you notice someone say Turning Point, listen to what they did. And always, always so far (laughs) that I've noticed brings people into one or both of those alignments, that decision that they made for them. And so you, what you've got to do is work out what is that for you. And like, I think that if we could get a world, this is my like crazy big vision, but I'm obsessed with it. As you can hear, yes. <laughs> imagine like if every single business out there, because we're seeing more and more people go freelance, starting their own businesses. One in three pretty much are now mm-hmm. self-starters and that's only continuing. That's only accelerating that trend. Yeah. And we're all out there doing the same stuff as everybody else. <laughs> And it's hard. And I think that's just a big signal like that the hard way, the easy road gets you to the same destination. Like hard means it's not working. And what is working is like, and what if we all were just doing what we were supposed to be doing or what we could be doing in the world, changing the world for the better as we see it. Mm-hmm. And it could just be making people smile more or like it doesn't have to be like greenwashing kind of thing either. It's what impact you see that you're really engaged in. Imagine if every single one in the world was creating from that space. Like that is what we need right now. And like I see it as my role to make that happen, (laughs) right? Yeah, like it feels like heavy, but at the same time it actually, when you're actually doing it for yourself, it feels amazing. Yeah. I don't know if you're into tarot, I assume potentially, but um, I have two tarot cards that I refer to as what it feels like when you bridge each of those gaps. Mm. So the first is the magician. No surprise. Yeah, yeah. So that's that inner alignment and it feels like you've got on the table, the magician has everything in front of them that they need for alchemy, all the all the core elements. And I studied al- alchemy actually in the history of magic courses, very wild. Oh my God. But this connecting of the inner and the outer, the above and the below, all in this one in this one being. So the being has everything they need to do to be a catalyst. And so that's clarity, that's confidence, that's excitement. And then the other card for the second bridge, which is when the world recognizes the impact that you bring and everything's starting to get easier. That's the Empress. Mm. The word juicy, <laughs> I love here. I made my word of the year and now I'm just obsessed with juicy and it's become the word of like my life. But oh, essentially good. she's there. She's like pregnant. I imagine it as being like pregnant with ideas, birthing everything that that individual could bring into the world. And she, her environment is lush with the, you know, shaping that they have, that feminine energy has done. And that idea of like, birthing every day, waking up, getting paid to bring the things that you want in that space. But essentially to be able to do that, you actually need the magician gap to be bridged first. They're actually, they happen in order. 
And we really need that inner kind of magic to be aligned before we can be out there being what the world needs. The world needs us to work out ourselves internally Mm. before we can build the structures that support that instead of focusing on money and being like, oh, do I do this in my business or this in my business because it'll be profitable, it seems good, or do people want that? It's actually like, no, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to bring into the world? And there isn't just one thing either. Mm. It's not like a soulmate. So I know how powerful it is to be able to really get clear on what you need to focus on in your business. I think that it can be one of the most powerful things when you have clarity because it means that you can really get clear on the actions that you need to be taking. And one of the things that helps me to get really, really clear is using my sacred funnel calculator. That's right. I have put together a calculator that literally breaks down what your revenue projections are going to be in your business based on the funnels that you have in place. There's three different funnels that the calculations are done for you. It's all broken down. It's all in a really easy to use spreadsheet. And the best bit, it's 100% free. So I put this calculator together because I think that when you have clarity around the potential with your funnel, it gets really beautiful because you really know what you need to be focusing on in order to drive the bottom line in your business. So I have this calculator available for you right now. It is free and you can download it by heading to sacredfunnels.com forward slash calculator. I want to talk about the magic, but I want to put a little pin in it. I want to go back because you were saying like there's multiple things, like there might be multiple things that you want to do in your life and in your work, Mm. picking the one, and then you've literally just brought it back, which is perfect timing. Let's talk about that. Like I feel like that's something, and I see lots of different paths with this where, you know, it's kind of like, no, pick the one thing. You've got to go down one thing. If you want to have a profitable business, like niche down, make it super specific. And then other people go the tangent of like, no, you're multi-passionate, like be everything. Like how do you navigate that with your clients? Is that something that you feel comes up a lot? I feel like I have that conversation so much with so many of my clients of like, how do they pick? And and again, that's something. And Mm. as a reflector in human design, I have struggled so much with this. Like like, every day, you know, of the month of 28 days, I feel differently. So like I've gone backwards and forwards and up and down and all over the place. I've found that it really hard. And I know that a lot of people do struggle with it, being multi-passionate and then feeling like they put themselves into a box. And what's your thoughts on this? Mm. I see it a lot as well in exactly what you've described, but also in someone multi-passionate creating something that they really love and then no one buying it as well. And there's, there's this concept emerge. It's like that you, or this myth that you can't get paid to do exactly what you want, that there might be, you kind of have to, you know, validate the ideas first and that kind of thing. And I'm not saying no to that. What I've found in my process is that all of this bubbles up beforehand. And then when people actually move through my process, all of these things actually can exist in the one scenario in the one person. So I'll just kind of explain what that means. Firstly, clarifying what a niche is, I think is really, really important. So most people think of it as like a point of difference or a really good point of difference, but a point of difference is a tweak. It's copyable. It's just one thing that has changed. And so it only gives you a small amount of time that it lasts for. Either the time ends because someone, enough people copy you and you have to find the next point of difference, or it ends because the marketplace no longer has that need. 
And so it's a here today, gone tomorrow, usually a trend-based need. And I see niche as actually being a territory. So it's much more dynamic than that, actually. And it's it's about intersections. So any business that follows my process ends up having six niches like at once. Um, and the first niche is impact, what you actually want to do in the world, but not seeing it as one thing. I have a specific process called status quo mapping where we actually identify your opinion. So how to explain it. I have here like a mug and a lighter for my incense. I've got my headphones cover, a plant, you know, a cat, etc. And all of these things, everything in the world, we have an opinion. What could be better? What is annoying? What would be cool? Etc. You have this opinion on everything. And I think that's a like a massive untapped gift. And instead, what this process does is it gets all of those perspectives out. And it helps you see what the common threads are. And the common threads are as unique as a fingerprint. It is nuts. So there's this underlying reason, this really emotional reason as to why you think the things that you do and why you have the opinions that you do. For example, two of us might have like the same opinion of not liking this. I'm holding up a mug that's got like a print on it with this section missing of the print around the mug. And maybe we're both, we both think that doesn't look good because it's not aesthetic or whatever. The underlying reason why we think that, even though we have the same perspective, totally different and really emotional, connected to childhood, connected to our temperaments, our skills, our experiences, etc. By uncovering this, what we really think, we can then identify of all the perspectives that we have, which things do we are most tied to that emotion and which things are we most excited to change. And so the idea is to then call that your impact niche. And it's not just one thing, it's actually everything in the world. There are more things than you could possibly enjoy changing than you literally can in your lifetime. So we narrow it down to which are the ones that you're like really excited for. And that helps you get over the challenges that come with business. And then we work out where does that intersect with the marketplace? What people, you know, what are the cultural drivers and trends now and in the future? Where does that intersect with the people that these ideas most impact? because they're the people that are going to trade money for or, or whatever it is in your business structure to receive that impact. And so we then add on top of that, so I call that an intersection niche and a moment niche. That's a longer conversation for another time. But And then we add on top of that a particular type of what I call a process niche. And so that allows you to be 10 times better at doing what you do, that process on top of it. And then you have uh, emotional positioning. So that's an emotional niche and that's around how you connect with your audience. And the, the simple version, the really brief version of it essentially is at that moment where someone's about to be most impacted, so the moment niche, by whatever it is you do in the world, right before that moment, there's something in their lives that changes, that shifts them from whatever you do, whatever kind of impact you do being irrelevant or mostly irrelevant to that person to being highly relevant. And at that moment, there is an emotion that they want more of and an emotion that they're repelled by, that they're trying to get away from. And if your brand can symbolically embody that emotion, you get people reacting really quickly to what you do because it feels right. It's like, it's like you're speaking to their intuition, essentially instead of just the, here's my claim, why I'm better. And you need that as well. You need the language to express and to embody what's awesome, but you need to know what that is, who you're speaking to, all of these intersections. And what I call that combination of niches that actually all work together, I call that competitive advantage, the particular type of competitive advantage I get. So in a business and for an individual that is multi-passionate, 
you can actually do all of those things. What you need to identify, you can't do them all right at the same time, but what you want to identify is what ones are lighting you up the most. And essentially you do that first, but then because of the processes of your business, you want to implement processes that allow you, um, the multi-passionate person, there's certain types of process niches they tend to gravitate towards more. There's two of them, depending on the person. That actually allows them to dedicate time and space in their business to bring new ideas to life. So that every week, that person, especially multi-passionate people, have time to work on ideas, new ideas that they want to bring into the world. And for that to actually be part of the way that they do business. And just as an example, 50% time, which is a technique, it's not a niche, but um, 50% time is where, oh, sorry, 20% time is where an organization with a certain type of um, competitive advantage dedicates one day of the working week for their staff to come together and work on whatever they want to work on. And for Google, more than 50% of their annual income comes from ideas that emerge in 20% time. Once again, your opinions are your gift. Your multi-passionateness is your gift. What you need, it's not that there is no structure for you. It's actually those structures that you're playing in right now that feel good and that are telling you you can't do what you want, they are wrong. They are not the structure for you. In my process, what we do is work out what structure is and actually differs from multi-passionate person to multi-passionate person. But essentially, when you launch, you launch with usually one thing or one category of things. It depends on the kind of business that you have. And then from that, once you're out there at your juicy stage, once you've passed your magician stage and you're out there in the world, especially if your business is scalable, which is I really want your take on this as well, Taylor, because part of the structures that enable us to do that is to make sure that we're not doing the stuff that we don't need to be doing, especially the stuff that is automatable or the stuff that allows us to communicate and impact we're not there so that our impact can scale well beyond what we can do in kind of a one-to-one level. But essentially, if you're out there and you've built that space into your business and your actual structure allows you to meet that need of personal satisfaction, then you can have all of these things. So it's not an either or. You can have them all at once, definitely. And I think that's the best thing that you can possibly do for yourself and the world is to bring more of that into your world as well. On my end, just like my mind is exploding. I love what you said about the niche. To me, I was like, oh, layers. Like I just felt like you were layering on. Like I feel like I want to quote Shrek. Like (laughs) ogres are like onions. Onions have layers. (laughs) Like, but honestly, like it's almost like the niche has just so many layers to it that all just comes together in this beautiful fusion. I have never heard anyone talk about a niche like that, like ever. I love what you said where it was like, you know, yes, you have like the language around it and like the obviously like communicating that, but there's so much more to it. And I feel like you are the perfect person at doing that. Like you could so easily quote the definition of a niche and why, you know, you could argue yeah. both sides, like one or the other. It's the thing I do. <laughs> yes. But just like putting it in a way that, I don't know, I feel like it gives permission to both sides almost in a way that no one's really communicated it before. So thank you for that. Can I say one thing? Oh, yes, go. Society loves a false dichotomy, an either or question. And I reckon 100% of the time when we're looking at that false dichotomy of this either or, it's the status quo, the way it is about something and what you're doing or what you're needing to do. My process actually really looks at it starts with the status quo and it's called status quo mapping because you want to break up from this idea of either or and to recognize that there are billions of possibilities 
And all you need to do is choose which ones feel good to you, which ones light you up and the profitability can always come later. But that false dichotomy, whenever you're feeling it's an either or situation, that's not true. That's society needing you to believe that so that you don't feel the shame or you don't feel that you'll be outgrouped from the communal group. We can be connected and belong in our uniqueness as well. That's a really personal Mm. one to me, especially being outgrouped for or or being the weird kid or whatever for a lot of my life. And then just recognizing that that's actually been a gift for me and it's a gift for you as well. We're actually all completely unique and we naturally fit into certain communities, certain privileges more easy than others based on who we were and where we were at the moment that we were born and what we were born into. But all of our uniqueness is actually our superpower, we just need to work out how to like harness that. So if you're listening to this, like recognize that about yourself and the parts that make you special, don't feel shame about them. You just need to work out how to bring them to the world in a way the world can understand and help you do more of what you want to do. I feel like this is a very emotional conversation for me. Share, share what's what's happening in your mind. I've been seeing your face like react. <laughs> I feel like this is divinely timed, this conversation. One thing that I well, that you spoke about was obviously turning points. Like that's your your core offering and the underpinning of what you do. The baby, yeah. yeah it's your baby. When, when you were saying before about kind of just harnessing like your truth and not worrying about the profitability side of things and that comes later, can you please talk about that more? Because I think that that's something that a lot of people probably struggle with is that like fight between those two things of like, this is what I feel really called to do and I want to do this, but how the fuck do I make money from it? And then the fear yeah. that, mm. you know, if they are going to go down that path, it's not safe. It's not financially secure. There's no stability there. Like nothing's quote unquote guaranteed. Not that anything is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Everyone mm-hmm. thinks, you know, not a job, like that's safe. Is it? Like you could argue that that's not a safe route either. Like, oh, absolutely. So I think for those who are listening who maybe feel called in a direction and there's something within them that's pulling them down this path, but they can't see how that's going to make them money or how that's going to create financial stability in their life, what would you say to them? Yeah. So there's the long answer. Like if you actually want to go through the process, literally I can help you through that process in three months and get to the other side. (laughs) However, that's not feasible for everyone. So join Turning Points if that's for you. That's what I do in, in, in this process. However, if you're listening to this and for whatever reason that's not feasible right now, then what I recommend is the niche experiment. And so carve some space in your life. And if you're straight away coming up, (laughs) I talk about this like at the top of my website, if there's this space coming up where you're feeling like, oh, I don't have time right now, I don't have money, et cetera, whatever it is, they're your gatekeepers. They're not true. They're what I don't have time nearly always means is I'm not willing to make hard decisions. I'd rather say stuck. I'm sorry. I know that that's like hard to hear, but it's nearly always, I see it every day. It's nearly always that. I experience it myself. So it's if this is a priority for you, make hard decisions. And it may mean saying goodbye to something you think you might like less to be able to create space for this nebulous thing you don't even know, but you're pulled towards. I think it's always worth making space for the nebulous thing, <laughs> but make space for it. And what I want you to do is create one offering into the world. If you can make it an offering that's paid, how to do that is to ask yourself the question, what am I really doing? What is the point of this? Why do I want this so bad? And just keep asking why until you're basically crying as to why you want to create whatever thing it is that you don't think anyone will buy for money. 
And then when you get to that deep truth where you can't ask why anymore and you're feeling very emotional about it, or maybe you've started repeating yourself because <laughs> you've gone past the emotional sort of point, sit in that space and think, who is looking to be impacted by this? It might be you at an earlier stage of your life, it might be you right now, it might be some other audience that you really want to help in whatever it is that's coming up for you and work out who that is. And then instead of creating your idea, just what you want to create, create at the intersection between what that audience is needing, go and research them, what that audience is needing and what you want to create and make your offering in that intersection more likely to find profitability. The next challenge for that and thinking of the two cards and the two gaps again. So, um, so the first one is that intersection of you and the impact and the person to be impacted. And the next is a communication one. So it's making sure people actually understanding that this is what you've created and why it's so impactful to that person. And so persuasion of all kinds and behavioral economics it's what's called narrative transport theory. So you need to start where this person is at that moment when they need this and take them where you need them to be. And that's primarily by emotion. So think at that time, what emotion are they calling in more of and how can you embody that? What are the beliefs and things that they're holding in that that you need them to perhaps change to be able to receive what you're doing? And use that to guide your brand or aesthetic, use it to guide your communications around what you do. Even if what you're doing isn't for money at this stage, because it's really not clear how or why that would be, still play at that intersection. Maybe it's an organization and they're like, well, what you do, our audience needs and we'll help you bring it to life. And that can often happen, often both happen sort of in this space as well, but really exploring those two questions around the intersection and then how can I communicate it starting from where the person is at and bringing them to where I'm at, letting them cross. Imagine drawing a bridge over that same intersection. That's kind of what you're doing, but the other way. And just create, make that space to create one thing in that space and let it test it out. If you're not sure about going all in on it, test it out that way and just keep pursuing it. Just keep pulling the thread even though you don't know where it'll lead. Hunches are like that. They sometimes need, well, all ideas are dots connected. And a hunch is when we've got, dots and a sense of what connections could be, but we don't have enough dots yet. And the only way you're actually going to get out there and have that flash of insight and have that idea and have those dots connect is by bringing in the new dots. And that's not going to happen if you don't actually pursue the hunch. So you need not just the strategy component of the thinking, you need to get out there in the world and actually acting on it as well. And even like stop and pause and <laughs> play um, mm -hmm. this this chat as well and like literally just do it as a sort of a step-by-step -step yeah. and bring something out into the world and then probably about 18 months to two years later I'll see you in turning lights yes. as well because yeah. you'll, you'll get to a point where you realise that this is the big thing and you just have to get some more dots sort of first if you're um, not ready right away. But if you're ready right now to just jump into it and back whatever it is, I can guarantee you it, it is taking you somewhere, that hunch. You just need a structure that allows you to explore it in a way that supports your lifestyle as well. Love that so much. Oh, my God. Definitely go back and just if that is applicable to you, like like Melissa said, just pause, like go back, listen, pause, do the exercise, pause, do the exercise, pause, like revisit it as much as you need to and then go and join Turning Points. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Welcome. Taylor, I'd love you to share about funnels right now because that is the other thing that supports this. Like I'm talking about the internal and the alignment, et cetera. But I'm also talking about structures that support that. What you do is very much that. Like, oh. There is one of billions of reasons why we gel. I would like you yeah. to share how 
structures can enable you to focus more on what you actually want to do as well. Because I know people are listening to sacred work are loving you and they want to hear that from you as well. Thank you. Well, it's definitely not about me, this interview. I'll do a very quick like two minute just to, yeah. to tie into what you're saying. I think but- it's so important to this topic. Yeah, I do agree with you and exactly what you were saying before around like just sort of creating that freedom around the things that you don't need to be doing anymore within your business. And I think for so many of us, I don't know, I feel like so many of us start businesses and it is a vehicle for your lifestyle and we desire freedom to some extent, whether it's for family, whether it's for ourselves, whether it's to pursue other things, whether it's financial freedom to an extent, like so many different avenues of freedom. But I think so many of us get in and we get very lost in the day-to-day, the mundane activities, the things that we need to be crossing off our to-do list. And it can get so easy to get caught up in that to the point that then you feel like you've lost all avenues of freedom. And I say this from experience. The one thing I wanted when I started my first business was freedom. And then I felt like I tied myself to a business that required like 70 hours of work a week. I burnt myself to the ground trying to do everything manually all myself. And it was an awful, it was awful. Like it just felt like shit. Grateful for the lessons. Like, my God, it's led me to what I do today. But you don't have to learn the hard way. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Learn from my (laughs) mistakes. Stakes and just don't do that and figure out like what does freedom feel like for you and your business? Like what do you desire? Why do you want freedom? And then how can you create it? And I just fully believe that like one of the areas that allows you to create that freedom is to set up systems within your business that just give you your time back. And to me, that is funnels. So, you know, automating different processes, things that you're doing on a consistent basis within your business that doesn't need to be you. Like we just live in a very fortunate time where, you know, the power of technology is we can automate so many things that we just don't need to be doing manually anymore. And that's going to give you time back. I think a lot of the time there's a conflict between spending the time to set the systems up and feeling like Mm -hmm. that takes too much time. But I always say to people like, it's worth putting the time and effort in now. You're choosing to stay stuck. Exactly. Rather than just, you think it's a bit too much effort or it's like pulling you back. It's not. And even if it is, like I always say sometimes, I've been through this multiple times. I have so many clients I talk to about this, but it's like pulling a, a bow. Like you sometimes you've got to pull back in order to propel forward. And sometimes setting up funnels can feel like that. Like it doesn't outwardly seem like anything's happening or maybe sales do feel like they slow down a little bit while you're in the back end, in the internal, setting those pieces up within your business. But then once you've pulled the bow back, all the more reason you need it to be automated, that it doesn't rely on you so much to be there. Exactly. And then that's the catalyst for so much growth. So yeah, I guess that's how what I do ties in with with what you're saying is like, you know, to give yourself that freedom to then it's a massive enabler. Do those other things that you want to be doing. Like just create the the time and space within your business and just prioritize setting up things that are just going to work for you so that again you have that scalability. You're not tied to your business. Things can run without you. Like that's the goal, right? Like you don't want to be absolutely in your business 24-7. Anyone listening, if you're a parent, if you have chronic illness, combo of those things, other circumstances as well, I'm just speaking to ones mm-hmm. I've experienced myself, but like automating the repetitive tasks, it can be done. And (laughs) it is, it freed up so much of my time. In terms of what I've done in the free time, that's my like space and bringing all of that juiciness and joy kind of in there. But a lot of what enabled that as well was a structure that automated stuff 
that actually just freed up so much of my time. You know, if you're, especially if you're listening as well, doing and you're trading hours for finance in your business, it's a bit like hourly type work, session type work as well, packaged like that or expressed like that. This is something for you as well, massively. Mm. I, I can't even speak to how much time got freed in my business and how much that was an enabler for me to do more of what I want as well. And it's mm. that whole thing, once again, letting the structures support what you're trying to do. Absolutely. So good. The alignment tells us what to do. <laughs> Otherwise, exactly. you just fill up the time with the same old junk again. Um, yeah, more of the same. Burn yeah. yourself out and feel like, why am I not getting anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. a root cause as well. So, turning points is the root cause thing, and then sacred funnels is the structures that like mm. enable that. And I think they're just like two delicious halves of a coin for sure. Oh, so good. I want to keep talking to you. I feel like we've got a whole hour to go, but I am mindful of time. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, like like I said, I could just keep talking to you and I think we're probably just going to have to get you back for part two because I want to <laughs> talk to you about magic. I want to talk to you about archetypes, like all the other things that you and I have touched on. So I think we'll probably have to get you back for a part two. But if there's one last so thing done. that you'd like to leave with our audience, maybe something that's just coming through or we didn't get to speak about it. If there's one parting something, divine download that's coming through, Ooh. what would it be that you want to leave people with? Okay, just kind of like letting it come through. I think like I feel that what it is right now, at this particular moment in my life out after the time that I've had sort of recently, it's Sometimes we really do have to say goodbye or goodbye for the moment to things that we do love to make space for the things that we're pretty sure we'd love more and that that deserves to be priority one in your life. Because a lot of this stuff is about not that we don't love things, it's the priorities that we place on those things. And if currently the mix that you're doing isn't working for you, it's not feeling good, you wouldn't want to be in that exact same place, you know, 10 years from now, a, a version of this, then that's the biggest sign that you're ever going to get to make space. And that's something that you can do. It's completely within your control. So if you're feeling, if this is resonating with you, you're listening right up until this point of the conversation, I think prioritize and work out what needs to be cut away to make space for inviting in all of the awesomeness that comes. I think that's the thing that's really present in my life right now as well. And that focus, but that focus is actually what enables you. It's a little bit of effort now sowing the seed, but then you can sit in that tree, under that tree that allows you to do all, all of the things that you want to do. And I've been through it before. That's why I know that that's what I need to do right now. And it's easy for me to prioritize it. But if you've not seen before how that temporary focus is long-term abundance and long-term variety, make that choice, I think. Yeah, that would be it. I think. Thank you. Fully received on my end. And I'm sure mm. for those who have listened all the way to this point, it's exactly what they needed. So I cannot thank you enough. This is probably one of my favorite conversations to date on the podcast. So thank you for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. Like it's honestly so transformative and so magical and pure alchemy. So I really appreciate thank you. you. For those that want to connect with you, they want to find out more about turning points, please let them know where they can do that. The easiest is Instagram. I'm always like hanging out on there. So at Bonbo AU, B-O-N-B-O-A-U. I'm sure we'll be in the show notes as well. Yeah. And otherwise the website itself. So there's the main website, bonbo.co, and you can get to turning points from there and learn all about turning points specifically. But literally three months 
That's what it takes to get through this process and making that space about two hours a week is so worthwhile. Like if you want a turning point, you don't have to wait till something intense and awful happens to you. You can actually invite it in as well. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, just make that space, make that priority so that you can invite it in, I think. Yeah. And drop me a DM as well. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh my God. I'm sure people will be and will be hitting up your website and everything. So we will include all of that in the show notes. So it's easy for people to find you. Thank you so much, Melissa. I appreciate you beyond words. This has been amazing. Thank you. Uh, It's been so good. I loved it.